Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Together, a Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. My name is Josh and we're back again to uh, take a look at the Spurs game this week and take a look ahead to next week's um, potential massacre in Manchester City away. Um, We'll start with Spurs. I think we would have been fine coming away with a loss this weekend, but the manner in which we got beat was kind of sore. So we'll touch on that. Um... But we'll start with the same old segment as usual, and that's the good, the bad, and whatever else I decide to put in the after after effect. Um, so let's start with the good. Um, let's not hang around. The good, I think we need to recognize Anthony Knockart again. Um, as a side note, and this isn't directly related to the game, but he spoke out this week against depression, or about his depression. Um, I think it's a massive credit to the club and the player. Um a for helping knockout and being willing to get out there and do a deal with that and hit that head on um he mentioned that he spoke to bruno around christmas and said that he just couldn't deal with it anymore and bruno immediately went to the gaffer and hutton sorted him out and that really just typifies the the whole together mantra that brighton have um they rallied around him they supported him and they got him the help he needed and not only that but he was willing to accept that help um and i think that lends itself to just how much he thinks of this club because there are a lot of players that simply won't um there's a lot of players and a lot of people it's not just just players it's people um there are a lot of people that that sink and keep sinking without even with the help available to them because that's just the mindset they're in and that's awful um but I think it's a credit to the club for, for immediately being there for him. And it's a credit to him for having that mental strength to be able to do that. And I think, uh, I think yeah, I think it even more lends itself to him for being willing to speak out about it. Funnily enough, his entire day was focused on attacking Danny Rose, who is one of the only other players to come out and speak about something this sensitive, um, which I found quite weird. Um, quite a coincidence to see them both roll up against each other the following weekend just after Knockout spoke out about it Um, but I think it's a big deal and I think it should be recognised and I'm glad that pretty much every major news station across the UK and the US um, ran that story Uh, NBC Sports ran a segment on it this uh the morning of the game and when i flicked over to main nbc to watch the game in full um the commentary team were taking a lot of time to talk about it too and i think that's what we need um i'm glad that everybody did that and i would encourage anybody out there who feels that way to to speak out and people are there to help you um and i think that noki is honestly like a new sign in the season he's back to what he was in the championship and Obviously, not only is it a credit to himself, but it's a credit to the club and it's a credit to everybody around him that helped him. So I just wanted to say that to start off with, um, because I think it needs to be recognized on every platform possible. Um, And he had a great game yesterday. He really did. Um, He was a shining star in what was a pretty shitty performance. Um, He was a huge component of everything good that came from our performance yesterday. He had three shots. Um, All of them were on target. And that was more than anybody else in the team. Um, he got one goal from that shot, and the other two were also major goal-scoring opportunities. I understand that some people would turn around and say that they wouldn't agree with Knockout having a great game simply because of those two opportunities. Um, and the first one, where he's one-on-one through with uh, with the keeper from sort of four yards out, you have to score it. There's no real excuse. You have to score it. 
I understand that he couldn't get it out from under his feet, and I understand that he chose to put it through his legs. But just put it in the put it in the back of the net. You don't need to you don't need to play nice and fancy. I know that's kind of his DNA, but just put it put it anywhere but the keeper. Um, and I I accept that that criticism should be there for him because he should have scored, um, but he didn't. And the one towards the very end where he got it on the edge of the area, just hit it as hard as you can. Um, we've seen him do it in the championship, especially from that range. Um, he's put it in bottom corners on the regular. I don't know what it was about him that made him decide to try and sort of bend it into a far corner. He didn't need to. Um, he could have just hit that as hard as he could, and it could have gone anywhere. But he didn't. Um, but he did score one, and that goal was a hell of a goal too. He took that beautifully. It was harder to score than the first one, um, but he did it, and he did it with, with a lot of class. Um, so I think he was just unbelievable. Not only that, but he had three key passes. Um, that was more than any other Brighton player. So not only was he taking shots for himself and putting himself into major goal-scoring opportunity positions, um, but he was put, putting that on the plate for others too. Three key passes is is a pretty solid number. If you go back over my other podcast, there's not many there's not many games or players that are hitting more than three um, per game for the Albion. So he's really stepping up and taking that role. And with Gross out of the team, we needed someone to take that attacking extra attacking role, and he's done it. Um, and not only that, but he. He has an ability to go backwards as well as he can forwards, and the NBC commentary noted this too. And it's the first time I've heard anyone note it for him outside of Albion. Um, his ability to defend is really impressive. Um, he had three successful tackles yesterday. That was more than anybody else. Only Bissouma was level with him in that regard. Um, and not only that, but he had 52 touches. That was more than anybody else on the team. The only person close to him was Montoya, who was high 40s. I think that that really echoes how reliable he is and how much we're relying on that right-hand side. And I think it's a compliment to them and how talented they are. And I know we're on the good, so I don't want to go too far on to the other side. But I think it's worth noting that is that a necessity because of how little we can trust our left-hand side? And if it is, then why aren't we doing something about it? So we'll focus on that in the bad. But for now, yeah. Noki was great. He was a solid player. He was our man of the match by a country mile. Um, and I also want to say that AJ once again looked bright when he came on. Uh, Ali J looked a solid attacking option. He cut in a few times. He scared the crap out of their players a few times. And I think it's time he gets a start. I'm not sure he will, but I really do think it's time he gets an opportunity. So we'll see. Um... And Lockardia also looked good, and and I, I'm gonna keep getting hate for it, and I do. But he's, I think he just needs game time, and he is not anywhere near as bad as people make him out to be. He's making good runs, he's making good, like he's making, he's got good movement, he's got a good eye for the ball. It's just that it's not falling for him, and unfortunately for him, it's falling for Murray at every chance it gets. So he's banging them in, and Lockardia isn't ever gonna get a chance. Um, like I said before, I think I've mentioned this somewhere else. Why we signed him in the first place, I'm not really sure. Because he's so similar to Baldock that you would think we would have just kept Sam. Um, I think he's better than Baldock, but we're not... Hutton doesn't want to play with that kind of forward. He doesn't want to play a 4-4-2, and I think that's where Lockardia would excel. So, I don't know what's going on with him, but I, I was really pleased to see them both come on and change the game again. Um, even if it was that we were chasing. Um, so, moving on to the bad... 
for the first time this season, I'm going to spend some time talking about the referee. Um, Chris Kavanagh was poor yesterday, very poor. He was what they cliche as a top six referee. He gave every single 50-50 decision there was to Spurs. And even when we're at home, like it, th- that really sums up just how poor he was. Um, his his uh, his assistants didn't really have a much better game. Um, I would say the best of the three was Sean Massey. Um, but all three of them were poor and all three of them could have done a lot better. For example, the uh, the penalty kick that they gave to Murray, um, Murray's handball of uh, the free kick. It was a handball. There is no question that he put his hand up in a stupidly erratic position. And there's no question that they should have given the handball. It was, um, I'm 100% on board with that being a foul and a penalty. What I'm not on board with is that the lino didn't flag for it. Nobody appealed for it except for Trippier. And the referee had already turned his back and was waving play on until Trippier screamed in his face. And then he literally did a 180, blew his whistle and gave the penalty kick. Go back and watch it. That's exactly what happens. Trippier shouts in his face until he succumbs to the pressure. And that's just not good enough. You can't you can't succumb to top six teams screaming in your face and thinking this isn't how it should go. Like We were poor as it is. We didn't need a 12th man. And I think that that's exactly what he served up. Um, the goal that was ruled offside was was offside. It was a good call from the lino, but the I think Hutton has it spot on in the fact that we were absolutely uh, not given a penalty we should have had in their box when one of their players, I think it was Dyer, um, decided to elected to pull two people down. Um, one of them was was definitely an accident, but the the way in which he dragged Dunk down was um, incredibly intentional and a foul. Um, and we've seen them given before, so. I mean, it just goes back to that again. He was a top six referee giving top six decisions, and it was it was really poor. And I haven't said anything about the referees so far this season because he he really stood out as the poorest of the bunch we've had so far. Um, and I don't like to blame our defeats on referees because I think we were actually poor enough to get beat without him yesterday, but he contributed to it, and I think that is worth mentioning because... The officials have paid a fair amount of money to be able to get their decisions right, and he made every single one poor, really. Or, it well, he didn't make every decision a poor one. It was the manner in which he made them that was poor. Um, so let's move off of that um, and move on to the Albion themselves. The bad. Um, focus on some individual bad here. Murray and Bong were atrocious today. Um, absolutely appalling. Murray gave away the penalty. He had no shots. He had no key passes. He had less than a 50% accuracy rate, pass accuracy rate, which means that not only was he not getting the ball in on goal and shooting, he wasn't even able to pass the ball when he got it. He wasn't distributing the ball. He wasn't doing anything right. It was it was a really bad game for him. And then not only to give away the, the, the penalty as well, it was, it was horrific. Um, and Bong was even worse. I'm not sure I've ever seen a more left-footed player in my life. But his inability to provide an attacking option at fullback is really, really poor. And we went over this at the start of the season when I was looking at Bernardo as the replacement for Bong. And we noted just how poor Bong was in an attacking capacity. And you saw it again yesterday. He, did, he, doesn't, he, did, he didn't make a single successful cross. Um, every single cross hits the first man or it's 
even too soft to even make it look like a clearance. Um, he has no real ability to change a game from fullback, and that's something that Montoya has, and we're seeing it because the focus is all on the right-hand side. Um, nothing happened on the left yesterday, um, and even when March gets in those really spicy positions, and he's capable of it at least twice a game, he pulls out some incredible piece of skill to go past a player. He breaks into the box, and his delivery is so poor every time that it stands to reason why you're not going to want him to keep starting because he's not providing the, the the assist or the or the pass or the piece of play that can break into a goal. And if you put his Chiedo in that same spot, he either scores or sets up a serious goal-scoring opportunity nine times out of ten. And that's what we're really missing. Um, he was... Bernardo, uh, Bong and March were really poor. I think we all know Bong is going to play next week at the Etihad. Um, and we'll get onto that in the predicted eleven. I don't think we're. I don't think anybody can fool themselves any longer. Bong will play next week, um, but I'm praying to see Bernardo back for the West Ham game. We need to give him a shot. He had one half. He had bet like he had 15 minutes at, at left back in his in his chosen position, and it was poor. We he, we immediately moved to right back because Bruno got hurt, and we never gave him a chance. Um, so I really hope that we give him a shot at left back after next weekend. There's no point putting him in against City, and I understand why Hutton won't, because I can almost guarantee he won't, but we do need to give him that shot against West Ham. Um, we need to, and if his Chiedo's fit, put him in there too. If he's not, start Ali. It doesn't really matter which one, but we need to do something about that left-hand side because it is incredibly weak. So, moving on to the middle segment, um, I'm going to stop promising middle segments <laughs> going forward. I'm going to stop talking about them. Um, we all know that the, the formula is going to be reviewing the last game and looking forward to the next game. And there will be a middle segment in almost every single pod. I'm going to stop talking about what they're going to be because it's not going to be Glenn Murray's bio this week. Um, because inevitably something else has came up that I think needs to take the middle segment part. And that is our first half performances. Um, I normally do the good, the bad, and the ugly, the good, the bad, the encouraging, the good, the bad, and the amazing, whatever. This is the ugly. This is dedicating a middle segment to this alone um, because it popped. It happened again this week, and it's something that can't wait, whereas Glenn's bio can. So let's start on the ugly and a look, a deeper look into these first half performances and what on earth is going on there. Um we played six games this season in the league, obviously, and our average first half possession has been 36.58%. Um, I'm going to throw some numbers at you here, so bear with me. We've had 36% possession in the first half on average. Our total shots, we've had 20 total shots for all first half minutes. Our pass success rate is 75%, and we've been dispossessed a total of 28 times over six games in the first half. I want to compare that to our second half totals. Um, we have an average possession percentage of 40, 40% in the second half. So obviously we have this problem in the first half where we're seeming to sit off. I don't know what it is that we're doing this for, um, but we are. And it's taken the second half for us to start chasing the game. And um, We had 40% possession on average in the second half. Our total shots, 
we're a massive difference. Um, we had 20 shots for the entire first half minutes, and we were up to 33 in the second half alone. Um, and our pass success rate is at 70%. So that isn't as prolific. And we were also dispossessed 38 times as opposed to the 28 times in the first half. Um, to, to me, when I was looking at these numbers, they show everything I thought I would see, to be honest. Um, we're showing a serious lack of attacking impetus in the first half. And we're allowing our opponents a ton of the ball. And we're not doing enough. We then get to the second half, and although we perform better, we're forced to play a riskier style of football chasing the game. So we can and should find the balance between getting the attacking progress better and keeping it solid at the back because we're not chasing. Like if we can bring in the same attacking impetus that we have to do that we bring in when we're chasing the game, and defend in the same manner as we always defend, that's what we did for the last 10-15 games last season. That's why we stayed up. That's why we were a good side. We stopped doing it. We are so incredibly poor in the first half. We're having less of the ball, and our pass percent like we and when we do get the ball, our success rate isn't that much better than the first uh, the second half when we're when we're attacking the heck out of people. You would expect that if we're not having the ball much in the first half and we're not having as many shots. You would think that our pass success rate should be better, right? You would think it would be lateral moves along the back four, boring passing play to waste time. It's not even that. We're not even able to keep the ball when we're playing boring defensive football. Um, it's really not good enough. And we need to do something to adapt. I don't know what it is that we need to do. Um, I don't know what Chris can do. I, I mean, I know what we need to do. We need to do what I just said. We need to, uh, we need to bring that perfect balance together. I get that we're not going to see it against City, and I get that we're going to play differently against teams away from home. We're going to play differently away from home against the big boys like City, Liverpool, United. I get it. But at home especially, we must do better. We are good enough to do that, and I don't know whether it's because we have a weakened side. I don't know. I really don't. Um, of the eight goals we've scored this season... We've only got three in the first half. This is my favorite stat of all of them, okay? So we've scored eight goals, and three of them have come in the first half. All three of those goals came in our only win, and that was Man United at home. So those three first-half goals are the product of our only victory. Does that not say anything to Chris or anybody else. They have access to these stats. They have the same thing as I have. I mean, they have more than I have. Of course they do. They're a Premier League football club. <laughs> like, I have websites to look at for stats. They have dedicated staff to look at stats. You know what I mean? So at what point do we wake up and decide that maybe we should start trying to play a game of football in the first half? Because the one time we do it, and we do it against a top six side, we score three goals and win the game. Like, wake up. We need to do something different. To play devil's advocate... I don't think all is lost. I don't think we're screwed. Um, because we, I think we've been starting a weaker side than we had at the end of last year. Um, you know, we've lost Dale Stevens this weekend. Um, he went down to injury. We lost Bruno in the first game of the season. He's not been back since. Uh, we lost Dunk for a number of games in the middle of the, of, the, of the spate of games we've had so far. And we've lost Gross for the last two games too. And I think Gross would have made the difference yesterday. Could be wrong, but who knows? You know what I mean? Um, and we didn't. We were incredibly lucky in not having any injuries last season, and we've had quite a few at the beginning of this 
And not only that, but we haven't had Izquierdo available. We haven't had Bernardo back in the side, who I think desperately needs to be. We haven't had uh, Ali Reza match fit and ready, Premier League ready. Bissouma has only just started to become Premier League ready and into the squad more of a fixture than before. Um, and Donny isn't even starting. He only made the bench yesterday for the first time all season. Um, you know, so not only are our new signings either not fit or not ready, but the current the best players we've got behind them, like Izquierdo, like Bruno, like Dunk, like Dale, like Gross, they're not even able to see out full games. And I think that can't help. Um, I mean, even if we want to talk about last season, we saw it with teams like Palace. And we saw it with teams like Palace was a good one because they were super injured. They had a lot of people out and their form was awful. Um, and I think, you know what I mean? Like a settled side wins games and we don't have one at all. So it's probably a case of just bringing them, like, we need to get back to best, back to basics. Um, but at the same time, if we don't have the, the personnel, what are we supposed to do? I'm hoping that Gross is back sooner than later, is Kiedo's on his way back, and Dunne is coming fit. Um, and, you know, when you, ha when you think of a first 11 of Ryan, Bernardo, Dunk, Duffy, Montoya, uh, Naka, wingers of Naka, Ali J and Izquierdo, midfield of Gross, Proper, Bissouma or Dale, and then a top man of Mori or Andone. Um, you suddenly look at a side that probably, without being too biased, is a is a top thirteen, top twelve side. Um, but as it is right now, we're playing. We're not playing any. We're not playing half of those players. We're not playing. We're not playing. We're playing Solly March. We're playing Gate and Bong. Um, we have no gross, we have no backups. Um, so I think we just need to stay calm. And not only that, but three of our first six are against a top six game. Three of our first six games have been against top six sides. So while I'm perfectly happy to be very critical of the way in which we are dealing with first half performances and the fact that we must do better, I do also want to acknowledge the fact that our squad is probably weaker than it was at the end of last year. And we have played three of the best sides in the league, um, and we've taken three points off of them. Um, I think that is worth bearing with. Um, so let's just relax, but also accept that we need to see major improvement in that in that first half kind of attitude. So that's it. That's my rant on the first half atrocities that we're watching. Um, and let's move on to the Manchester City preview. All right, Manchester City preview. How we'll win, how we'll lose, and our predicted start in 11. How we'll win, <laughs> I don't think we can. <laughs> they are the dominant team in England. Um, I don't know what on earth happened midweek against Lyon, but they are the dominant team in the UK. There is no one better than they are right now, not even Liverpool. Um, I'm a huge fan of the way Liverpool play football compared to the way City do but I think they're just I think they're going to win the league again this year um, and they absolutely pounded Cardiff this weekend and are simply a class above um, going to Anfield is bad enough but the Etihad is going to be a different beast altogether um, we at least had the ball somewhat and a few chances against Liverpool but I expect none of that at City um Quite honestly, we have two choices on how we want to approach this game. Hutton has two choices, and it's not 
it's not rocket science it's not something that's it's not a smart analysis it's just a common sense one um option one is that we sit back try to keep the score down like we did last year which worked somewhat and we didn't get hammered there and we just play the game out as best we can option two is we go balls to the wall give Hutton some acid or something i don't know throw some lsd in his tea whatever it is and have him put a front three of aj ak and Lockadia and focus on a fast-paced counter-attack with the hope that we can get a few goals. Somehow nick something. Score more than they do. Score the same as they do. Score something. That's the only chance we've got. I think we need... I, I don't think sitting back is going to achieve anything, and I think we need to treat this as a free hit, and I know it's against Hutton's DNA to do it, and I don't... I fully expect him not to, by the way, and you'll see it in my predicted 11 that I fully expect that he will not do what I want him to do. <laughs> But I would love him to just go for it. I'd love him to just put Ali, Knockart, and Lockadia up to top. Um, and play in the same way that we did against Liverpool with that midfield three, but have three outlets that can just be so quick and dangerous with the ball. Um, Murray is just not the answer. If Andoni is fit enough, maybe we could even start him. I don't know, but I would love to see something different, and I don't think it will happen. But I would love to. Um, On to the how we'll lose segment. Um, Sitting back too deep and allowing them to pass us to death is going to be how it happens, just like they do to everybody else. They've played six games and scored 19 goals. Their average game possession is 66.3%. They average 23 shots per game and just utterly destroy teams. They have a 90% pass accuracy across their entire team. That is outrageous there is nobody even close to that level of quality um and that is going to be our undoing just like it is with everybody else however they have conceded in two of their three home games they did win one of them 6-1 and the other one they won 2-1 but they have conceded goals and they are fallible and that unfortunately to the detriment of my fantasy team is a problem for them so we need to we need to try and get something but i don't think sitting back is going to do the trick we need to catch them on an off day um there's no kind of lying about that we need to catch them when they're not at their best and we need to go at them a little bit and use our pace because we've got it and it could do something different to what they're used to so fingers crossed that that's what we do but i don't think it will be um we're gonna get passed to death i think we'll get thoroughly beaten even if it's not by much um let's hope it's a 2-1 and not closer to 6-1 because that goal difference and the way in which we kept ourselves in games last year and so far this year has been one of the biggest reasons why we didn't go down i think um we were a couple of more drubbins away from possibly just shrinking without a trace and i think that we need to avoid that and look on the bright side because it does get easier from here on out uh city are we are played seven games and we've played four of the top six you know what i mean and the two that we haven't played chelsea and arsenal arsenal look black and white you don't know which one's going to show up um and chelsea look good but west ham did a job on them today and there's no reason why we couldn't do the same at our place not so sure about the bridge but it's just a case of you know we've played four of the top six in our first seven if we can come away from that 
level of games with five points, I'm not going to be too upset. And that's what we're already at. Um, anything from the Etihad would be like a gift from God. I don't expect anything other than a nicer goal difference. The predicted 11 I've got is not going to raise any eyebrows. Um, I actually think if Dale Stevens is fit, I think it's going to be the exact same 11 that played this weekend. Um, I think it'll be Ryan, Montoya, Duffy, Duncan, Bong, Knockout, Stevens, Proper, March, Basuma, and Murray. Um, I think we'll play exactly the way we did against Liverpool. Um, and I think that it's going to be a beating. <laughs> um, if Stevens is injured, obviously I think we'll play Kyle in place of Stevens, but we'll keep that midfield three. Um, and that's going to be the way we play the game. I wish it wasn't that way, but I think it's going to be. Um, and I think that we really need to just focus on West Ham the following week. And I'm going to enjoy analysing that preview as opposed to this one. Um, it's always tough giving a preview for someone as dominant as Man City. They play really nice football, but they just don't let you have any of it. So it's kind of like, well, obviously they're just going to keep the ball and score goals. Um, so... <laughs> There really is only so much I can analyze with them. So we'll see what happens. Um, and next week we will be analyzing what we see at the Etihad next weekend. We will be looking ahead to Friday night football um, in the first week of October already um, at West Ham. And I think I think we need to just chill out, relax, except we have shortcomings and work our butts off on getting ready for West Ham because they're the one we're going to play, and they're the ones we're going to have to win, frankly. Um, City this weekend is just going to be a nice, interesting look at the way we're going to play against such a good team. So sit back, relax as best you can, because it's going to be brutal, um, and enjoy the game this weekend coming up. And I will see you all next week for a post-mortem on that massacre and a look ahead to the revival of the Albion beating the crap out of West Ham, something we do quite well. Thank you. Follow me at Together BHA on Twitter and see you all next week. Be safe.